Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 154 is recorded live March 21st, 2013. I'm Darren Jilson from the west side of the Great Lakes state of Michigan, and I'd like to welcome my co-host for this week. We have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm not doing bad. How's yourself? Doing good, thank you. And we also have, uh, from the other side of the state, joining us this week is Dave Tonneman. How are you doing today, Dave? Couldn't be better, Darren. Loving it. Excellent. Well, it's hard to believe it is March 21st. And this feels more like February 5th, just by looking out the window. If you, Years from now, people listening to this podcast will have no idea what we're talking about, but it is nasty, wintry weather. And the weatherman is saying, we've got another week or so of this. Well, hopefully it's over soon. Ready to get back in the water. Yeah, I am. And I'm definitely Pots of Tawny Phil. Pots of Tawny Phil told us there was winter was, or springs were right around the corner. Be lied. Yeah, I, I'm up for a barbecue. Mm-hmm. Mm. Never ate groundhog. At least I don't know that I ever ate groundhog. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, what's going on in year. Europe? You you never know what you're eating. But yeah, yeah. I'm 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 so ready for spring. It's beyond description. So boats are. I mean, when when does everybody have to get the boats out of storage? I know that um, in the area we have a lot of people keep their boats at the fairgrounds where they lease them out. I think that that's coming up here pretty soon. Where you're gonna have to get them out. Yeah, mine. My contract runs up April 1st, so I've got to get the boat and the motorhome out, usually the, between the 1st and the 15th. Okay. I think I'm going to pull the motorhome out a little early because that's in front of the boat, get some work done on that. And once that's out of the way, get the boat out and start working in the yard. What's nice, if we can get some sunshine with a cover on the boat, it does warm up so I can get the paint on it. That's true. I was going right. to say, Jim, uh, yard work, you need to mow your snow. <laughs> What I'm hoping to do this I year is... I love trees this winter. I got trees that got blown down this winter that i got to get someone to come in and chop up for me. They're all dead pine laying in the woods. Huh. So, Dave, yeah. come on over, and we will have one hell of a bonfire. Yeah, that sounds like nice. it. Nice. I'll have to do some chopping. I'm always looking for, for bonfire wood. As long as it's outside, it's fine to burn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a pit in the backyard. I burn just about anything that falls and the kids who sit around too long. I will load up the truck and make it deliver. Excellent. Well, it's going to be a, it's kind of a slow news week. Not a whole lot going on, but right off the bat, we have another recall, Aqualung. And uh, as we tend to like to do, we paste in the chat room. So if you happen to be following along, you'll be able to pick up with it. And I think I'm a little bit more awake this week than last week. Last week, I could have taken a nap. So Aqualung recalls buoyancy compensators due to drowning hazard. The recall day is March 21st. The number is 13-146. It is a Aqualung buoyancy compensator with Shorelock 2 weight pocket handles. The hazard is rubber handles can detach as divers are trying to remove the weight pockets to rise to surface in emergency. This poses a drowning hazard. Uh, there are about 110,000 units affected. The recall 
is on the following models, the Axiom, Axiom I3, Balance, Black Diamond Dimension, Libra, Lotus, Pearl, Pearl I3, uh, let's see, Pro LT, Pro QD, Pro QD I3, Zumba, or Zuma, buoyancy compensator, Sherlock 2 handles are gray rubber, measure about 2 inches tall, 4 inches wide, the model neighbor, name is embroidered on the back pad of the white pocket's right lobe, Sherlock. Incidents recorded, Aqualung is aware of 236 reports of handles detaching from the white pockets. There are no reported injuries. 236 reports, and they're now recalling it? It does seem to be a little delay. September 2008 through September 2012 is the manufacture date, and they probably sold between $460 and $700 for the compensator with the white pockets. They were manufactured in China and Mexico. So we'll have to Aqualung's a, credit, I think I think this is actually the first time the CPSC has gotten involved. They did start a campaign last late last fall to their dealers about this, and it wasn't really publicized a whole lot. I think we did um, talk about that because I remember the issue with the the weight pockets. Yeah, and the easy answer is just if you have a BC that an Aqualung BC made in you know the last few years, take it back to your local Aqualung dealer. They should have the uh, handles in stock, and they should be able to take care of it right there. Placing the handles on the weight pockets, and you're back in the water. So, so it is a serviceable item. It's not a, a full replacement. They're just going to replace the handles. Just the handles on the weight pockets. Yep. So that's not too bad, and it's definitely yeah. something that you want to take care of. You don't want to find that out the hard way when you're diving. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to pull the, uh, need to go drop your weight pockets and find out all you've got is handles in your hand. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that, would not, that would not be good. Well, it's nice to know they've got the parts out there and they're, you know, got everybody indicated to waiting for the divers to just bring them in. Definitely want to keep some ditchable weight on whenever you can. Yes, yeah. Ditchable in one form or another. And provided this next... And don't be afraid to ditch it. Yeah. Well, yeah, how many... Uh, yeah, that's real. We haven't covered many of the deaths on the show, but there, that's when I'm going through the news, that seems to be one of the common themes is people... Well, I tell not, all of my students, I tell all my students, if you're ever in a situation where you think to yourself, I don't know if I should drop my weights or not, drop your weights. Tell them you're upset me about telling you to do that. I'll buy your replacement weights because I would rather have them err on the side of caution. It doesn't mean every time you come to the surface, drop your weights. But if, if <laughs> there's a situation where you're, you're starting to wonder if you should, probably means you should. Yeah, I, I've dumped mine. I have weight belt laying on the bottom of Lake Michigan from uh, an experience that uh, I'd rather not repeat. So I'm glad I dumped the weights. Yes. At least yeah, I'm it, here to talk about it. Yeah, if, if there's any reason to ditch them, ditch them. And we eventually do find them. Especially if you dive with Mac, he, he he's he's probably found enough extra. He might not find yours, but he'll find somebody else's. And then this one from Ocala, Florida. The county is taking steps to let scuba divers return to Silver Springs for for Yay. a few years at the end of the Eisenhower administration. Uh, it was used as a TV uh, a set for a TV show based on scuba diving. 155 episodes of the series Sea Hunt were filmed at Silver Springs. They said now that Silver Springs is slated to become a state park and entices ecotourists to view it as a must, diving is on the open up the waterways. The God, this, these writers sometimes just get crazy. Um, county Commission directed County Administrator Lee Niblock to research what steps are necessary to allow scuba divers to return to the springs who, except under certain circumstances, have been banned for a generation. 
Commissioner raised the issue of repealing the ban, said the opportunity for divers to explore these great, incredible assets could boost international tourism. It's a great interest to be able to let the springs and go into those caves and cavern systems. You know that some entrepreneurs are ready to start dive promising. So why in the world did they stop diving at these springs? I don't know why they stopped it, but I would not be surprised if it was a uh, liability issue. Yeah. If you uh, click on for, to for, uh, further in the article, several pages forward, uh, they banned scuba diving at Silver Springs as well as Rainbow Springs and Silver Glen under a series of local ordinances in June of 1986. And those reg- local regs were based on a state law enacted in 1965. Uh, it's designed to curtail activities that would interfere, molest, disturb, or otherwise create a nuisance or hazard that affected marine life both in springs and rain springs. And it constitutes a hazard not only to the divers, but also to the persons who operate watercraft in the springs. So the, what do they say? I can't get the, that site. So they were looking well. out for our own safety. Yeah, of course. Is the way it reads. And they but, had exceptions for professional photographers, television and film industries, of course, I'm sure with certain remuneration. And well, they were complaining the about divers all, vandalizing. Well, what the I would, almighty dollar. Yeah. Well, well and the, the thing is there's been no movie deals going on, so they're not making a bunch of money with that anymore. But uh, the way it was worded, it almost sounded like maybe there were manatees involved. But not sure. It doesn't really get into it. What exactly were like were threatened by divers? Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was somebody got a little flowery the the writing there. But uh, so hopefully they get some in. That'll be interesting. Another spot I would I would love to go diving in. And we have yeah. next up is looking for a few volunteers. This one's out of Canada. It's the Great Lakes of the Maritime Museum of Great Lakes in Kingston. And they're holding an event on Saturday, March 30th, to track more volunteers to the museum. So if you're up in that area, stop by. They uh, used to have more than 100 people uh, and sometimes 200 offering their own services to the museum, but it has dwindled over the years to just 40 today. So they're looking to replenish the staff. And that's something, even if you're not in that particular area, but you have a museum and you'd like to donate time, I'm sure they would be interested in your help because like the... uh, the Maritime Museum here in South Haven, they're always looking for volunteers, aren't they, Jim? Uh, that they are. That they are. They, you know, People want to volunteer their time. We'll definitely find ways to uh, take advantage of whatever skills you want to offer. So if they've got trade skills, they can probably put to work? Well, definitely. We need people to do everything from cutting the grass to painting to uh, providing dockside tours to... Um, volunteering as a licensed captain on some of the vessels. In fact, we've got a training session this weekend for uh, people who are interested in learning how to sail ship. Cool. So just about anywhere where you're at, there's somebody looking for a volunteer. Yeah, something I see here that I found interesting is they say that this year's main exhibit is called the 100-Year Storm, and they're calling the uh, storm in 13 the White Hurricane. The White Hurricane? four-day storm. I'd, I'd never heard of it referred to as the White Hurricane. No, I hadn't either. Maybe it's a Canadian thing. Could be. A? A. A? <laughs> this next one is from CNN. Apollo mission rockets have been recovered. A set of giant engines that were suspected to be on the Apollo 11 flight have been recovered by Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos four decades after they splashed into the ocean. Uh, he, repo- rep- he wrote on his website, "What an incredible adventure! It was off the co- the recovery was done off the Florida coast. We found so much. 
We've seen Underwater Wonderland, Incredible Sculpture Garden of Twisted F1 Engines that tells a story of fiery and violent end that serves as a testament to the Apollo program. So did you get a chance? I can remember my I can remember my parents letting me stay up late that night to watch the actual first moonwalk. I think it was like after nine or ten o'clock at night Eastern time and sit around on the TV and watched in awe. I, I can rem- actually have cameras that would show it. I I can remember I was I was old enough. I don't remember specifics. I remember a series of events where I was watching space. <laughs> it would be on the TV and everybody would be looking at it. And the one that, I, probably the first one that I can vividly remember is, uh, I think we had one where we were uh, docking with the Russians. Seems like there was yeah. something involved yeah. with that. Uh, joint Soyuz Apollo mission. Yeah, and, and I can remember that one, which I think is pretty impressive considering everything that was going on at the time. Well, you think about the space race, just getting a common docking collar yes. <laughs> that they would both agree to use was a major event. But you think about now where we are with the, uh, the space station. Oh, you know. yeah. And, and having them be our only way of getting up there? Yeah, that or commercial. Yeah, how, how things have changed. But the photos in this article are, I would not have thought those engines sitting on the bottom that long would be in that good a condition. Well, I don't think there was much steel used in those engines. It was mostly made of unobtainium. Billion-dollar bills welded together? Precisely. Yeah, but remember, whoever provided it was the lowest bidder. (laughs) (laughs) Part of it looks like it even has kind of a copper color to it. That's probably the gold on the outside, just that's how it shows. Yeah, now wouldn't that be cool to find? I'm, I'm sure it was way too deep. Do they say how deep it was? I think it said twelve thousand. Oh my goodness! That would take a few tanks. Yeah, the the what deco time would be a month and a half. Yeah, that's actually uh, just about as deep as Titanic. Wow. Fourteen thousand. Sorry, yeah. fourteen thousand. Yeah. A little deep, I think. Yeah. So what it sounds like he's he wants to do is bring it up and uh, get it put in the museum, leave it dings and all put together. It is still technically property of the U.S. government. That would make a fantastic mailbox post. <laughs> yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah. But the snowplow wouldn't run into it. Or if he did, it wouldn't run into anything again. What's remarkable is how deep, that when you look at the pictures embedded in the sea bottom, mm-hmm. and thinking about the efforts that have gone through to excavate those engines at 14,000 feet, kind of makes uh, moving some sand over there a little bit uh, easier to stomach. So they actually excavated that then? Oh, they must have. Uh, looking at one of the pictures, you can barely see part of the thrust chamber. And then when you look at the pictures we have it on deck, there's most of a man. It's It's got to be at least four and a half to five feet embedded. Yeah, that's true when you compare. I'm going between picture two and three. And I just assume that what's excavated there is just the currents, and they just yanked it up. But uh, it could be they moved a little bit of sand. That's the part you never get out of these stories, the, the minutia of the technical details. Well, wait, wait to the, uh, you know, they had, they must have had a, a video team with them. It'll be a special. You can watch oh, on the, quite. one of the Discover, nine Discover channels there are. Or on NASA channel. Yeah. And then while we're down there, they, they're saying that the deepest part of the ocean is teeming with microbes. Marine biologists discovered a vibrant community of microbes living at the, the bottom of a seven-mile Oh, goodness. Who'd we lose? Oh, you're still think, here, Dave. I think we're all still here. Yeah, Jim, we'll probably drop. We're still here. Nah, Jim's, Jim's fading in and out. 
So I should just keep talking because as soon as I get going, then it will it will actually fall. Uh, there you go. So what happened is back in 2010, scientists sent a submersible to the area known as Challenger Deep. It scooped up some muddy sediment, brought it to the surface for analysis. Um, they're thinking that they weren't going to find much. Water pressure at those depths was uh, thousands of times greater than at sea level, but they did find life and plenty of it. They found so much that they now believe that it plays a key role in the carbon cycle and regulation of the planet's climate. Live. You are unmuted. Yeah, it's good to be unmuted. Well, hello, Lisa. Glad to see you could stop in. You know, welcome, Lisa. But they're saying that they're finding tons of bacteria. And, and on one aspect, I'm not surprised. Because when you think about it, what's in the guts of organisms that are able to move that deep, as far as I'm aware of, is just about every fish crustacean must have some sort of bacteria in their gut. And we already knew that those type of animals were down there by the vent. So why would we not, I mean, why would we be surprised that there are, that bacteria can survive at that depth? Yeah, the first thing I think of are some of the experiments that went on with the Ballard expeditions and some of the samples that they brought back. And then also anything we bring from the bottom of the river, we well know even bacteria that's in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's bacteria time. settles to the bottom. Yeah. So it's like living in a high-rise apartment. Everything that everything that happens at the top ends at the bottom. So it all collects at the bottom of the ocean. Gravity is a rule. She must yeah. be obeyed. Yep. So fish poop, and that's going to end up down there and everything that goes with it. What will be interesting is what they find in the bacteria. Are they finding new forms and you know some things... Some things that may develop off of that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm sure there is. There's it's it's going to be a different environment. It's not going to be the same that we have up here. So then we go from that to a wreck mystery salt. A mere was this hundred meters? Is that what they said? Hundred and five meters. That's three hundred plus feet. So more than a little jaunt. I love So shipwreck that had. Uh, Challenged maritime archaeologists for more than six decades have been solved on a finding this last Wednesday of the HMS Otis, a submarine from World War II off the coast of Durban. Two Durban deep sea diving specialists, Patrick Vorma and Alan McKellen, found the Otis eight kilometers southeast of Durban Harbor entrance. The vessel deployed first in the Mediterranean in the war, was launched in 1926 and scuttled in 1946 after it was decommissioned. Vorma, who owns Calypso Dive Center, uh, said the vessel was found at a depth of 105 meters. He and McLean had been looking for it for nine years, and they'd used five gas bottles each to reach it. She was upright in good condition with a large explosion impact in the middle of the tower area. The Otis served as the British Navy after being commissioned with the 4th Submarine Flotilla in China Station when the war broke out in 1931. She was deployed to Hong Kong in the following year, sent to Mediterranean, where she took part in fleet exercises. In 1943, she was deployed to Simonstown for training duties. Two years later, ended up in Durban, where she sold and scuttled. They said they had read about submarine in the old naval records and make it their mission to find it. We weren't sure exactly where it was because they did not keep detailed records, as they did not have GPS or things like that back then. For scuba divers, a wreck is quite special, does not it does not belong in the water, and is that sort of history attached to it, whether it is tragedy or it was sunk on purpose? There's some sort of mystery. So this is uh, South Africa, I believe. That quote is quite awesome. For scuba divers, a wreck is quite special. It does not belong in the water, and there's some sort of history attached to it, whether tragedy or sunk on purpose, some sort of mystery. That's awesome. 
interesting thing about this article is the way they actually talk about the dive and talking about facing each other going down and you're in the middle of the ocean, can't see the bottom, can't see the surface. Interesting. Yeah, and that is exactly how it is. Mm-hmm. So congrats to them. Excellent. It's a good article. I like it, this one. And the funny part is, did you catch down in the bottom where they said, uh, uh, where was it? Unfortunately, they did not have their camera with them as it had been sent in for repairs the week prior. I think in diving 105 meters to potentially find a wreck, I'll borrow a camera or rent one. It's pretty funny. You know, we've kind of done the, the same thing. Now, not quite that deep, but uh, Mac and I have done a, a few deep dives, and we weren't sure what we are going to find. So That just emphasized my point that, uh, you know, Rich always makes the point that you should always have the camera because you never know. And the day that you don't have it is the day you're going to see the whale shark in Lake Erie, and nobody will believe you. Yeah. Like that's what the the GoPro, like what you've got, Jim. That's what's attractive about that. Is I'm I'm tempted yeah. to just have one on my head all the time, and you don't have to worry about it. That's kind of the way I do it now. You know, I thought for a long time about do I take you know cinema quality underwater video, or do I just want to get snapshots, you know, a recording of what I see down there? And then GoPro came out with the you know HD quality cameras. Uh, at a very affordable price, and I got this both worlds. You know, it's point and shoot, uh, stick it on your helmet, forget about it, and there it is when you're done. So I've, I've really been pleased with my GoPro. And then we go from a wreck mystery solved to, to me, could be a potential new scuba site. Nine-acre king of all sinkholes is threatening to swallow a neighborhood in Louisiana. It's a collapsing salt mine that has caused a nine-acre sinkhole that is threatening the entire neighborhood. Residents are being evacuated, and the company that owns the mine, Texas Brine, is paying them $875 a week for temporary housing costs. It appeared April 3rd and is still growing. Scientists monitoring say the second cavern may be collapsing. They caused the damage and certainly be aggressive in making sure they pay the bills, uh, the governor, Bobby, was it Jindal, says. Sounds to me like a new saltwater quarry dive. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm looking at that and going, God, that's a that's a perfect quarry. And then if you but got they don't caverns say anything and about stuff the underneath, yeah, I don't know. Oh, they, there would have to be caverns if there's a salt mine under there. Or, that would wow. Yeah, that could be very very cool. Yeah. So anybody down there, if you're down there in that Louisiana area, let us know. We want to we want to find out about that. Why isn't somebody? I mean, you got lemons, make lemonade. You got a flooded mine. You got a dive spot. Well, they may they may be wanting to wait just a little bit because they are saying it is currently collapsing. So I can think of other places I'd rather be when a mine collapses. Well, you can be above it. You don't necessarily need to go underneath. Quite true. And then how do they know? Have they sent divers down? Of course, yeah, this one paragraph article, they don't give you a lot of information. The other thing is that by the photos, it looks like it may still be an active mine. Or the yeah, or, if, or are they just the ones responsible for it? Texas Brine. So maybe this is not like the mine we're thinking of. Because brine I'll have to look into this more. tends to be liquid, so maybe they're just vacuuming. Like they're they're running some some lines down there and just sucking up all the brine. But that would count as a saltwater dive too, then, if it's a brine mine. Quite. Well, that does it for the news. You know, actually, a, a slow news week overall. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Scuba Obsessed, also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Scuba Obsessed. And if you haven't been following us on Scoop It, which is uh, S-C-O-O-P dot I-T forward slash M forward slash Scoob Obsessed, or you can link over from the Scoob Obsessed website, 
we've got articles. I'm, I'm curating content all the time. I'm posting it there. Some of it we talk about in the show, but a lot of it we can't. And here's an example of two articles that we don't cover on the show for obvious reasons. The first one is underwater photography. Digital has not changed the basic principles. So uh, it's a little bit more of an article that's meant for a written form. And they're talking about uh, the principles of underwater photography. And then editing underwater pictures for dummies is also one that we curated this week. So if you want to get some tips on using your software to edit your photos, that will be one to take a look at. So again, that's on Scoop It. Uh, we also have Access Scuba, accessscuba.com forward slash scuba obsessed. A handy place to jump on over to and uh, meet your fellow divers. And then last but not the least, make sure that you take time and drop your pin in the Scuba Obsessed fan map. Go to Scuba Obsessed about fans and then click on over and add your pin and you'll be able to see all the divers who listen to the show who are in your area. So make sure you do that. And this is almost like a bad joke. I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to have a tally of how many weeks have gone that I have not been able to get in the water. How about you, Jim? Did you have you got any any bottom time? Uh, the bottom time I've gotten is sitting on my bottom. Well, I, I can understand that. Uh, how how about you, Dave? You being an instructor, at least have to have some pool time. Uh, I've been in the pool the last three Wednesdays. Uh, Scuba Fest was last weekend, so I got in the water the weekend before. Got in the water, got a couple dives in. Uh, we're kind of watching the weather right now and talking to the uh, water treatment plants and watching turbidity for the uh, St. Clair River. Potentially heading out to the St. Clair River, south end of the river Sunday morning, depending conditions. Uh, if it's cold and nasty out and the visibility is absolute nothing, we may still go. <laughs> parkour divers yeah i may still go I, I can i can I, I agree with you there i am so desperate it i've got is, I'm, i've got my auto detecting gloves on and uh have not had not had a chance to get in the river at all this winter because of conditions and i'm just i'm jones bad for the river you know the best bottles okay. i have found i never saw before i put them in my bag that's happened to me four or five times. My four or five best bottles were all 100% by touch. So there's something to be said for that. And then if, if you're doing it right, you can't see anyway. So as long as the conditions are safe, you're not going in five to uh, ten knot currents. And Well, that's why we go to the south end of the river. Yeah. When you get to the south end of the river, the multiple channels split up the, the foe, and the currents are much more controllable. Not like up north by the Blue Water Bridge where you have you know, 10, 12, <laughs> 14 knot currents. Yeah. Is there a rule of thumb in river diving? How many seconds before you impale yourself that's considered safe? Usually you impale yourself before you see it. I know I have never seen the shopping cart that I've gotten hung up in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's usually the, the the sneaky little stuff that gets you, little snags that you barely can see. And little pieces of rebar sticking up, things like oh, that. But now, rebar and nets are the two things that will, uh, I would call them my diving nightmares where you just imagine something happening. If you're gonna, if you're gonna shopping, like shopping, shopping carts, shopping carts is my shopping carts are my nemesis. Now, who was it who who went diving? Who got was that you the last time? Who got or is it Rich who got sucked into the the oh it was it, I think it was the he he I think it was the story to Cooper River where uh, he swam right on into a enclosed space. Oh yeah, that was Rich. He uh, he got himself into an enclosed space underneath the uh, towers there at uh, Osprey Ridge. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's kind of a aha moment for you. 
Well, you know, I did have bolters with me last, last time we went down there. Just uh, <laughs> I just didn't have a use for them on the boat. <laughs> it Tom wouldn't let you like start uh, uh, clipping things. <laughs> You know, I wouldn't even ask him because I I would have not liked that answer. Yeah. Well, but after after hitting those power lines, I I was going to carry bolt cutters. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Now, uh, since we're talking about Captain Tom, I understand that Rich has sold out both the spring and fall dives at Cooper Actually, River. actually, as of nine twenty-five, while we were on the show, I got a message that there is now one opening. For two weeks from now in the Cooper River. Oh, so somebody must have uh, backed out. Yeah, somebody had some things come up that they were unable to go, and uh, there's now one opening available. Yeah, so if you're interested in doing the Cooper River, we've talked about it many times in the show, there is an opening. So give Rich at Divers Incorporated a call, find the details, and it will fill up quick. I'm sure it won't go long before I'll have that last spot filled. Oh, I'm sure. That's that's a trip that's already uh, filling up for next year. And wow. I believe Paul in the chat room is going on that trip here in a couple of weeks. Wow. He's going to leave the cave and enter into the Cooper River and find the little girl. Yeah. Yeah, you'll find the little girl all right. Oh, gosh. I think this will be the, it'll be the first year in a long time I haven't done that Cooper River trip. Yeah. Wow. I, right now I'm not slated to head down there this year. No, no not either. But uh, there's plenty of other spots to dive. That won't slow me down. So anybody, so has the club had any dives? The clubs club had any dives going on? No, there was some talk about this weekend. I don't know. Maybe they somebody still might do something, but doesn't look like the best of conditions. Everybody's just holding up, just lakes. waiting. Everybody's just holding back and waiting for the lakes to be totally flat this spring to get out and do some uh, good sand moving and just. Yeah, I've I've got commitments from uh, Jim Kleeman that uh, he's he's going to pencil in some dates, and we're definitely going to get some hardcore diving in. But uh, if you're you yourself, the listeners, are thinking about it. you got to make time for it because if we don't start making time for diving, we're going to get in a situation like you may have been in the past where you just don't dive because there's always a lawn to be mowed. There's always a room to paint, car to fix. And don't always... wait until Friday when your button says we're going diving this weekend to get your gear serviced. There's oh, yeah. nothing worse than people saying, can I get this back tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. We in the, in the club we had the, the Minutemen. The people you could call, and in a minute, they'd be ready to go. In fact, it's probably not the best habit in the world, but I usually have a full set of gear always in my vehicle ready to go. So if I'm at work and somebody says, hey, we just uh, pulled up a bell and it says Chikora, <laughs> I'm ready. Well, on your way to the dock, Darren, you better be giving me a call. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm it over there in about an hour and a half for that. Yeah. Yeah, I keep my gear packed in a bag by the back door, actually outside the back door in the garage, ready to go. But part of that is because it's uh, on-call rescue diving. But yeah, yeah you never know. So. But Minuteman diving is nice. Somebody calls and says, hey, you want to go? And you don't have to spend any time to get gear together. It's already ready to go. All you guys fill mm -hmm. in the vehicle, away you go. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the way to do it. Have everything all organized. Have your stuff. I'm, I'm already starting to think about what gear I want to. I want to have upgraded or added to or supplement, and I usually have a primary bag and a backup bag and a backup of the backup. And uh, and the reason I do it is I is I work 35 minutes from home. So if I get off work and somebody and it's just a beautiful night, I'm not going to be able to get home and then back in time to be able to go and do a dive otherwise. So you got to you got to prepare to be ready to dive. Dry suit. Yeah, dry, dry suit. suit. Dry suit. Well, dry suit. If I have a dry, dry suit, suit, I can do the James Bond. 
Dry suit, subliminal message. Dry suit. Dry suit. Dry suit. Yeah, Darren, if you, if you had a dry suit, you'd stop on the way to work. Just uh-huh. stop on the way to work, get a quick dive in, and you wouldn't even have to change out of work clothes. And just don't forget to take the dry suit off before you go into work. You know, if I'm if I'm going to go dive in, I'm not even going into work. <laughs> that would that would just. Yeah, I'm not ruining a Troy good day. Troy had a good comment. Troy in the chat room had a good comment about keeping your gear packed and by the door so you can grab it when the house catches fire. No, no. If the house catches fire, that new rebreather was ahead. They must have melted. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> I just bought it out of the gas station. I don't have the receipts because they're with me in the house. Mm. Well, anybody it got anything? What's that? It isn't that time, is it? It's getting there. Anybody got any last-minute pitches to do before we go there? Good diving. Get wet. Spring is right around the corner, so get that gear in and get it serviced. So when you get that warm day on a sunny Sunday, you can say, I'm going. Get a quick dive in and start your season early. Yep. How many people How many people you know say, I dove too much last year? Yeah, nobody lies on their deathbed and says, if only I didn't dive as much. That's a oh. good point, Jim. Now, I may end up on my deathbed because I dove too much and my wife killed me, but that that's uh, I'm willing to risk it. Okay, well, I, I think we're to that point of the show where we'll go ahead okay. and do the bad scuba joke. And this one, I am pretty sure, is fairly terrible and not exactly kid-appropriate, but what is? I'm a professional diver. My parents live in the suburb of Chicago. One of my sisters, who lives in Palatine, is married to a guy from Gary, Indiana. My father and mother mother have recently been arrested for growing and selling marijuana and currently dependent on my two sisters who are prostitutes downtown. I have two brothers, one who's currently serving a non-parole life sentence for rape and murder of a teenage boy in 1994, the other currently being held in penitentiary on charges of incest with three children. I've recently become engaged to marry a former prostitute who lives in Springfield, indeed still a part-time working girl in a brothel. However... Her time there is limited. She recently been infected with an STD. We intend to marry as soon as possible. Currently looking for the opportunity of opening our own brothel with my fiance, utilizing our knowledge and in industry, working as the manager. I'm hoping my two sisters would be interested in joining our team. Although I prefer them not to prostitute themselves, at least it'd be great to get them off the streets and hopefully the heroin. My problem is this: I love my fiance and look forward to bringing her into family, and of course, I want to be totally honest with her. Should I tell her about my brother-in-law, who happens to be a White Sox fan? Yeah. Did that one count? That's bad. You changed that. That is not the way that story was arranged. You think it was a little different? His brother was a Cubs fan. Oh, it was a Cubs fan. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure we could we could have alternate endings. So until next week, go out there and get wet. Stay safe and remember, the Cubs fans, the Canadians, were harmed in the making of tonight's show. Eh? Eh? Completed. Darren, you'll have to look at the uh, link.